We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Spurs Up Show presented by the Armchair Americans. I'm your host, Chris Phillips. Uh, joined today by my co-host for the first time in a while, Tyler Clark, and a special guest of ours. Will be. Uh, before we do that, if you're not following along now, I'm not sure what you're doing. The best Gamecock podcast on the internet by far. If you haven't checked us out, be sure to go online, rate, subscribe, share, and download the Spurs Up Show on iTunes, Stitcher app, you know, wherever you consume, consume your media, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, you can also check us out on social media on Twitter at Armchair S Car. That's going to be at Armchair S C A R. Instagram at Armchair S Carolina. And of course, please go to Ar- please go to ArmchairAmericans.com. Like I mentioned, this is a podcast brought to you by the Armchair Americans, localizing your sports coverage content. So be sure to go to ArmchairAmericans.com for all of your latest breaking game cut news coverage, uh, the podcast, of course, and anything else sports related. So, like I said. We do have a special guest today. Um, you know that we had Alex Reynolds on our show last week talk a little bit of recruiting. As all of you know, yesterday was National Signing Day. We are recording this Thursday morning, the day after. So yesterday, National Signing Day, a ton of news going on. We're going to bring in our very own from Armchair Recruiting. He's a huge contributor to Armchair South Carolina. Uh, if you do follow along with this, you've probably seen a lot of his articles, interviews with top recruits. I want to welcome Thomas Floyd to the show. Thomas, how's it going, man? We appreciate you coming on. I'm sure you were very, very busy yesterday and can't wait to talk about it with you. Yeah, it was a great day for Carolina yesterday getting two big recruits. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we go any further, I do want to mention, like I said, Tyler Clark is back with us, my my right-hand man and co-host, first time in a couple, about a month, I'd say. Tyler, I want to ask, how have you been, man? I know you've been really, really busy, and I'm, I'm glad to have you back on with me. I'm good, man. Uh, I don't think I've ever been this busy in my entire life, <laughs> um, so it's good to be back. Uh, looks like we'll have to do mornings from now on. Yeah, I know you're uh, coaching baseball and the semester just started and things have been going crazy, so for sure. So glad we could all get back together. So want to dive right into it. Obviously, yesterday, National Signing Day, a lot going on. I, I will say I think the early signing period sort of took away some of the luster from uh, from National Signing Day yesterday. It wasn't quite as crazy as in years past. I think, you know, it was especially for South Carolina, there were really only two, maybe three guys you had your eye on all day with John Mincy and Rick Sanders being the main two. Um, first thing I'll ask both you guys, we'll start with you, Tyler. Talk about how you feel the early signing period affected National Signing Day yesterday. Did you like it? Do you not like it? Uh, kind of what's your just what's your overall take on it? I'm kind of in between on it because I feel like last year, you know, the first time we, me and you really had to cover it, um, that whole day was like complete chaos of football, and I kind of liked it. Um, 
but now seeing it two different days when you sign 20 guys in the first in the first signing day uh the second one's not very cool um and it, it seems like you're kind of rushed to if you need something uh you don't you don't have much time to get it uh it just feels kind of chaotic and i don't i don't know if i liked it but um yeah yesterday wasn't as fun as the first signing day that's for sure yeah thomas uh, to me, I mean, I like the way it is now, but I wish they would just go to either make it all one day or all the other day. That way it has the same, like, like, oh my God, like what's happening thing, like they did before with recruits. And obviously more, more kids are going to sign in December because they obviously, a lot of them know if they're going to be actually committed or not. They're just messing with schools, like how some kids do and just flip on sign day. Like we saw it yesterday with a lot of kids throwing hats and stuff. But yeah, to me, I would, I like it. I don't. I think it helps the coaches. And I think it helps them get ready for their classes in the future. Yeah, definitely. I can, I tend to agree with you with that. I would like to see them make it all one day. Um, you know, whether that's going to be all in December or all in February, like traditionally National Signing Day, you, you know, normally is. But um, you know, I definitely think South Carolina found they were on the uh, the beneficiary side of it as far as like when teams are going through coaching changes, you're really able to you know, flip recruits and kind of get guys maybe you wouldn't normally get if they had another – if the schools had another month or two to recruit them. So, I don't know. There's pros and cons to both. But, yeah, I, I kind of like one day. It just takes – yesterday I felt like didn't really have the drama as, you know, obviously years before. But moving on, South Carolina, top 20 signing class. And, you know, I'd say the majority of the the, the major recruiting services with the rivals in 247, I've seen like 18th and 19th <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I've seen like 18th and 19th. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you guys, and Thomas, we'll start with you. How, you know, just overall, you know, just taking a about a 30,000-foot 30, view of this signing class, how would you grade the signing class overall for South Carolina? Uh, I give it a B, mainly because we didn't get uh, Xavier Thomas or K.J. Henry or any of the other, like Dax Hallfield, any of the big blue-chip recruits that we were in the race for. We lost most of every big race like that, except – for to carry on Joyner and Rick Sandage were the only two ones we really beat for, but it shows that we can compete with those other schools. Which I think is great for our future, but I think right now with the, um, with the amount of DBs we got, which I like a lot, I think that's going to be the big impact in this class is the defensive backs we got, but I would have to give it a B. Tyler, what do you think? I agree with Thomas, you know, in order to get an A class, I feel like you have to land one of those big guys, not necessarily a five-star, but you know, a top, you know, 50 or so recruit. Um, yeah, you, you got to get those. And uh, it just so happens that all the, you know, pretty much five-star guys that were considering us were defensive linemen. Uh, and to only land one of them out of probably six or seven defensive linemen they were chasing. Um, that part's not so good, but, you know, the rest of the class is pretty solid. So I'd, I'd also give it a B. Yeah, I know I ran the Twitter poll uh, last night. I think it's still going on in Armchair South Carolina about the grades of the class. I think we had about 70%. Uh, we're sitting right at B. But, yeah, I agree with you guys. I mean, you know, I think this was a really tough clash as far as, you know, the, the defensive line recruits they were chasing were also being chased by Georgia and Clemson and a lot of the other top schools. And, I mean, we saw – you know, we obviously all saw what Georgia did, just an unreal, unreal recruiting class, number one in the country by a, a wide margin, I'd imagine. So, um, but, yeah, I, I mean, you know, closing it out, you know, I, de- I definitely think, <clears throat> you know, getting Rick Sanders, Dylan Wanham, uh, even like Jovan Gwynn on the offensive side of the ball on the you know line of scrimmage. But closing out with Rick Sandage, I definitely think if they'd have missed out on Rick Sandage, it would have been a huge, huge, huge blow. Um, and I want to talk about, obviously, the late additions. Dylan Wanham committed on Saturday, Rick Sandage yesterday at 2.30. 
Um, talk about, you know, Thomas, start with you again, just the importance of landing those guys. Like I said, I mean, I, I definitely think that Rick Sandage was the kind of guy that was sort of in like a Jemias Williams position last year where, you know, you felt good about South Carolina the entire way. And then kind of the last month, you know, he's a Georgia kid, you know, Georgia was making a push and, um, I think Gamecock fans, including myself, and I know Tyler, I saw his tweet. We got a little uncomfortable. It was like yes, it was yesterday when I was watching the uh, the live feed of the uh, his his decision. It was I don't know if I was more celebratory or it was just kind of like a sigh of relief, you know, when he put the Gamecock cat on. So talk about you know just the impact of you know closing out the signing class, you know, with with Rick Sandage because in my opinion, I think he was kind of the exclamation point that the signing class absolutely had to have. Well, I'll start with Wanham, and to me, Wanham could end up being a three-year, two- or three-year starter at right tackle and then move to left tackle in senior year. The kid has the size. If you see a picture of him with DJ, DJ Wanham's brother, who also plays at South Carolina. Oh, yeah. Huge. If you see the picture of him, he's humongous. He is a monster, and his film, from what I've seen, is pretty great. At, at Tucker, where he played at, they were a run-heavy style offense. So, I do, obviously, with most freshmen in coming, I have to improve their pass technique their first year, but he could end up being a starter as a sophomore. And to me, Sandage, this is an insider theory that only I probably thought of. His mother, like, I can't think of her name. I think it's like Keisha, Keisha Sandage or something. Yeah, her. She, um, his Twitter profile, his, his bio says, I'm just trying to make mama proud. His mom was a South Carolina graduate. That's why I felt positive about this guy the entire time. And anyway, um, Sandage is a three technique that's going to he'll, – he'll be a contributor day one. He's going to be in the rotation as soon as he gets to South Carolina. And I think he'll end up being a starter through, for the rest – after the, his first year. Him and Javon Kinlaw, if you put them together on the defense line inside, I don't know what guards would beat them every time and win. It just – they're just going to be – he's going to be an absolute monster. I think so. He, he just has to – he does start high sometimes when he – straight off the ball in this film. Other than that, the kid is going to have a great career at South Carolina. Yeah, Tyler? I, I agree. That, you know, those two guys are must-haves. Uh, it didn't seem like there were any other, you know, lower guys that we were worried about. It was just those two. And I feel like without both of them, um, you know, it, it kind of would have left fans, you know, asking, you know, eh, could this have been a lot better? Uh, what else could we have wanted? Uh, but you land both of them, and it kind of answers all the questions. Yeah, I agree. I think it would have dropped. Honestly, we're talking about the grades of the class. I think it would have dropped the class from probably a B to a C. I mean, just I think those are the kind of impact those guys are going to have. I wouldn't be surprised to see Dylan Wanham play really early. And yeah, I completely agree that Rick Sandage is going to play as a freshman. No, no questions asked. He's going to be he's going to be you know thrust into a role. I think almost kind of like Jamias Williams was. Um, you know, we're talking about you know obviously the needs the Gamecocks had on the offensive and defensive lines, line of scrimmage. Um, I'll start with you, Tyler. Do you feel, you know, just looking at this class, I mean, South Carolina did a pretty good job, I felt like, addressing their needs. They got, you know, while they didn't get maybe those top blue chip recruits, they were still able to stock this class with, um, you know, a lot of defensive linemen, some talented, you know, skill players on offense, you know, some talented offensive linemen. You got guys, again, like Dylan Wanham, Hank Manos was another one, Jovan Gwynn. Uh, you know, defensive backs were obviously the secondary is a huge, you know, going to be very thin this coming year. There's going to be a lot of young guys playing with McQuamu and J.C. Horn um, and some other guys I'm leaving out. But talk about, Tyler, did you feel like the South Carolina, you know, despite not getting maybe the some of those blue-chip recruits we talked about, do you feel like they addressed their needs in this class? Oh, absolutely. They got better on both lines of scrimmage, like Muschamp said yesterday in his press conference. You know, and, and with getting that depth on both lines of scrimmage, you get, you know, you get skilled guys like on Joyner and Josh Van. Um and you also get some really good corners. I know he said Nkwamu is going to play corner. 
uh, and J.C. Horn is going to be a freak, I feel like. So, you know, they, they definitely got better, but, you know, that's why I gave it a B. Yeah, I can't wait to see McQuam at a cornerback. Uh, Thomas, what do you think? Uh, I think they address their needs pretty well. I I like Hank Manos a lot. I think he's going to be in the being the, the guy who takes over for Allen not in a year. I don't know who the backup center is, but I think Manos will automatically fit into that role. If not, he may end up starting his freshman year. Get, like uh, Tyler said, along both sides of both sides of the line, they improved drastically. I like Rosendo Lewis a lot. I think he's going to be a guy who could be a Mike early on in his career. He absolutely has the body size. He's a humongous guy. I don't know if either of you saw him play in the Under Armour All-American game, but he's got a, he's a big dude. And I think along with Joyner being the quarterback of the future, I think he could end up being a breakout player of South Carolina and the player to put them over the top. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, I was just going to say I can't wait to see McQuamu play cornerback, <laughs> being six foot four. I mean, I mean, a huge, huge guy. It's going to kind of break the trend, I think, being able to keep up with those smaller, quicker receivers. But, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And I kind of moving into what I want to talk about next, sort of, you know, my thoughts personally on who I think the biggest impact players as a freshman in this class is going to be. Um, you know, we already talked about a couple. You know, I definitely think – I think Dylan Wanham, Hank Manos is going to have a huge opportunity to have an impact. Like you said, I don't know who the backup center is. But, you know, we talked to Alex – you know, like I said, we talked to Alex Reynolds last week. He was extremely high on Hank Manos as well. I think Hank Manos has got a chance – to play a lot right away. I mean, you never want to see, I mean, you, you don't normally want to see freshman O linemen playing a ton just because, you know, you don't really feel like they're developed. However, he is in early. He's there in the spring right now enrolled. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him play a ton. I think Rosendo Lewis is going to have a big impact. I mean, I think you'd be remiss to think that somebody like JC Horn and McQuamu aren't going to have big impacts because they're going to play a ton early. Um, and then probably the biggest guy, maybe, maybe the biggest guy for me, Josh Van, I think he's going to be put into like a Shy Smith type role. Uh, I mean, just looking at him on film, I mean, his his playmaking ability, his athleticism, you know, obviously it jumps off the page. So, And then, of course, like we mentioned, Rick Sandage, I think he's going to have a huge opportunity to make a big impact early. He's going to be – he's going to have some help on that on that defensive line, but I think he'll fit in, you know, perfectly in that rotation. So, you know, Thomas, talk about guys you think, you know, obviously I rattled off four or five names, but talk about, you know, maybe if there's a guy, one, one or two or three guys that you think will be – who you think out of this class will be the biggest impact players – you know, as a true freshman in the fall in 2018? Well, if if we're talking about true freshman, you're going to have to go with the Rick Sandage. The guy's going to play year for I – don't, I don't doubt he'll start maybe midway into the year, but he should be a guy who has five or six sacks from a defense tackle position, which we haven't seen in – Kelsey Quarles days. Yeah, that's what no, I couldn't think of his name. Yeah, that's, that's going to be his role. He's going to be a – I think he can be the next big name along with DJ Warner this year who had a breakout year. Uh, on the defense side, and on the offense side of the ball, I think you. I mean, you have to go with Josh Van, but he's going to be in a crowded wide receiver room behind Brian Edwards, Debo Samuel, she and Ortre Smith. Um, I just, I, it's just hard to say on offense because I mean, I hope on Joyner gets a chance to play, but I mean, obviously Bentley is going to be the quarterback for foreseeable future unless he kills it this year, gets to the NFL, which I highly, highly doubt. But I think I'm going to have to go with Hank Manos for offensive line. I think he could end up starting year one. I think he could have a really big impact if he gets his weight up. Yeah, I agree. Tyler? Uh, I think my guy my guy is obviously Rick Sandage. But, you know, I think him and J.C. Horn are both, you know, go hand in hand. I think they're both going to be starters. Uh, and I think J.C. Horn is, has that skill set and speed. And, and he's just really good all around. So, I think he'll 
they'll definitely fill in the role for the guys that are leaving, like Demarcus King. Um, yeah, I think he'll have a huge year next year. He just seems like that 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 guy who comes in here. And there was a there was a poll I saw like a month or so ago. I think it was ESPN that did it. Uh, they did top twenty five impact freshmen, like true freshmen for next season. Uh, and JC Horn was was on their Carolina, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I agree. So, uh, moving ahead, you know, I definitely want to get Thomas. You're, you're our recruiting guru for this episode. Really. Yeah, I want to get your take on this because uh, you've kind of we talked about this a little bit of pre-show, and yes, yeah, so you've kind of filled it out here. Um, talk about your sleeper of the class. Obviously, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm of the opinion that I think that recruiting, true recruiting, is one in coaches' ability to coach up three stars and maybe lower four stars. I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, everybody kind of gets a lot of – you know, not everybody gets five stars, obviously. I mean, like you said, Georgia's class is kind of on another level. But I, I think yeah. you really see – a coach really makes their money and gets their their reputation as a top recruiter when they can really, you know, analyze talent and coach up that talent to kind of bring out more than maybe people expected and maybe make the player a lot better than people expected them to be like Connor Shaw was a three-star. Coach Simpson was a two-star. I think Sidney Rice was a two- or three-star. The list goes on and on. So, with that being said, talk about your sleeper of this this 2018 recruiting class, the guy that you're kind of – you got your eye on that maybe not a lot of other people are talking about. Uh, I'm going to go with Darius Rush. Kid, I personally know he's a he was an absolute freak at C.D. Murray. The only reason that team was in contention for anything in the playoffs he, I, he only played at 1A football, which is why a lot of people aren't giving him the respect he deserves. But I think he could be a kickoff specialist, and he could play both either side of the ball for South Carolina. He's listed – I think he, t- he told me personally that he was being recruited as a receiver, but he has the size to be flipped back or forth to receiver or DB. But I think that kid can end up being somewhat similar to Debo Samuel in that he was a mid-three-star and no one knew who, who he was. And then he got on campus and just killed at, his fr- at the end of his freshman year and then got the chance to play next year and absolutely – did what he could do. I mean, obviously, Debo Samuel has had a bad injury history, and that's why he hasn't been able to pull up the numbers like he should be. I'm just going with Darius Rush for this class. I think he could be an absolute freak. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. I think with mine, I would probably go uh, – I don't know. He's rated as a four-star, but a guy that I don't feel like people are just giving enough credit and talking about enough, and I think somebody could make an impact early, kind of have a – you know, an arid Sterling-esque type freshman year is Kingsley and Agbar. I mean, from watching him, I think he's, you know, got great speed off the edge as a guy that – I just think South Carolina can use all the help they can get as far as, you know, on the defensive line, finding pass rushers. I think he's going to have a chance to make an immediate impact. Uh, and then another guy I look at, you know, at the – let me pull it up here. Yeah, at, on the offensive line, again, is Jesus Gibbs. You know, I've heard a lot of good things about him as well. South Carolina, you know, and Eric Wolford really trying to flip the offensive line position, trying to get a lot more athletic up there up front. Uh, and I think he's a guy, you know, just from looking at on tape and – uh, hearing things about him as far as his athleticism, how he's he's going to bring you know maybe a more, uh, you know more athletic build and more more athleticism to the offensive line overall. So I think he's a guy that you can maybe see play a little bit, uh, maybe redshirted this year, but I think will eventually have a great career in Garnet Black. So uh, Tyler, was there, was there anybody that stuck out to you that maybe you know fans weren't talking about, or just anybody in particular you think's a sleeper coming in this year? All right, mine's kind of tricky because technically he's not in his class yet. <laughs> uh, but I think the Gamecocks are good on him uh, as Bryce Thompson because he was he was a three-star for, you know, the entire football season. And he was like the sixth or seventh guy in the state of South Carolina, which I think is absurd. He plays at Dutch Fork High School, which is the best you know football program in the state up there with South Point. Uh, 
But I watched him play, and I watched him play basketball last week. Uh, the kid is a playmaker. He played quarterback, running back, receiver, safety, linebacker, corner. He played six different positions in high school at the at the five A level, won a state championship, uh, playing every play on both sides of the ball. Had like 160 yards rushing uh, and two touchdowns in the state championship game. The kid's a freak. Um, but now we have all these uh, all these rumors. I guess he said they were fake news uh, about his grades and uh, his eligibility, but. If he if he can get into this class, I think he'll be you know one of the biggest guys because he's a, just a freak playmaker. No, yeah, absolutely, and a uh, perfect segue, Tyler, to my next uh, next topic here. It's something I definitely want to get Thomas's thoughts on. You know, obviously, I'm sure that we all kind of either saw the comments or watched the Will Muschamp press conference live yesterday, talking about the recruiting class overall. And uh, you know, I think it was so I'm not sure who it was that asked you know Will Muschamp about the two open. You know, they, they have two open scholarship positions right now, and they asked, you know, Will Muschamp, do you have an idea of who's going to fill those? He said yes. And they asked him to elaborate. Obviously, he cannot because, you know, if a player is not signed, until the player is signed, you can't talk about that recruit. So, Thomas, I want to ask you because I think we've got a little bit of an idea. I know you probably do. Uh, two open spots left in the class. You know, they're at 23 right now. Get a 25. Who's going to fill the open spots? Well, obviously, Bryce Thompson is one of those. He's a commit. He has that scholarship. If he can get his – what apparently it was his grades. It's the reason he can't sign. But if he can get his grades up, then he'll obviously be the one that's left out or the one of the two that's left out. And then the other one could be, I mean, they could sign some one's heard of probably or give it to a, a walk-on who they – I mean, they, there's a pointer that's committed. They could give it to him if they chose to do so. I mean, it could really be – this going to be the person you least expect if I had to guess because – I think Friday or Saturday is the last day that you can sign for signing an LI. I might be wrong about that, but I, I mean, it could be it could be anybody. You would it's probably going to be someone you've never heard of. It, I think it, it could end up being a specialist. I think it could most likely be that uh, punter. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I think it could end, really end up being that guy that he's going to be the one who gets that scholarship. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you got to think. Yeah, I know a lot. There's been a lot of drama with the Bryce Thompson stuff going on. I mean. You know, he says he's committed to be a Gamecock. I mean, obviously, I have no reason not to believe him. Um, There's a lot of, you know, obviously speculation on Twitter going on about Oklahoma and Tennessee making late pushes for him, giving him offers. But, yeah, I mean, I definitely think you got to hold one of those spots for him. Make You know, you need to make him get him on campus somehow, some way, and make him a Gamecock because that kid's got playmaking ability. I think it was, you know, obviously, Tyler, you talked about his athleticism, but I forgot who it was. I think it was his coach at Dutch Fork. That said, he was the best player he's ever coached. Yeah, which Tom Knox, pretty, which is yeah, insane. Tom Knox, pretty high on. Well, the the coach at uh, God, I can't the one of the top schools in skis of the South Carolina Private School Association, um, said that he was the best player he's ever seen in thirty years. Of wasn't it? Uh, wasn't it Eric Kimry? Yeah, Kimry, right? Former Gamecock quarterback. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who, that's who I was thinking. I was like, who said that again? Yeah, Eric Kimry. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I mean, he and he was also the MVP of the Shrine Bowl game. I mean, just you know. Is a guy you need to go on campus, safe to say. So, yeah. So I kind of want to jump around here a little bit. Um, you know, obviously, we we all saw, again, I, I mentioned what happened with Georgia yesterday and throughout the recruiting period. Basically got everybody they wanted. However, South Carolina, uh, by most publications I saw, finished, I think, top half of the SEC or right there at it. Um, you know, They're obviously. Seven or eight. Seven or eight. Okay. Okay. Right near it. Um you know, and this is obviously the best recruiting class that South Carolina's had under Will Muschamp. I think 
probably one of the better classes they've had since 2014 because I know obviously we all know what happened at the end of the Spurrier area Spurrier era just you know the fall off that was in recruiting um Thomas I'll start with you talk about you know you think what what you think is because like you mentioned South Carolina didn't get a lot of those blue chip guys I mean guys like Channing Tindall and Xavier Thomas and um God, the rest slips my mind. KJ Henry, guys like that. They they didn't get a lot of those guys, but they were in the running late with those guys. I mean, to go down, you know, go go through the battles with those guys being the top five, top three for some of them, top two for some. Um, talk about kind of the impact, you know, what the, the trend you're seeing with South Carolina recruiting. You know, do you feel, you know, especially if they have a good season this year, but do you feel like maybe in 2019 and 2020 and beyond, you know, South Carolina set up you know, to kind of break through break through and kind of break the ceiling, that top half of the SEC maybe challenge for top four or top three in the conference as far as recruiting goes? I think that if they have a 10-win 10 10 win season this year, it could be huge for their for the uh, rest of the, their recruiting classes. And I think Muschamp's starting to prove that once he gets his guys in, that he can win. I mean, it was last year. A lot, I think he said like 70% were underclassmen. I could be wrong with that, but I'm yeah, pretty sure that's what he said. Yeah. Yeah, seventy percent of the players were underclassmen. That's an, that's crazy to win nine games and, and beat Michigan like that in the year for them. And I think that they're uh, already in the running with a lot of five stars. They we got a commit from the number two player in the state of South Carolina, who's a I can't think of him off the top of my head for nineteen. And then you have um, right, nah, what is his name? The um, running back from North Carolina that went I can't think of his name for life of me. He's a five star guy, going to be a Quavo Crouch, right? Yeah, Quavarius. I think it's Quavarius. Quavarius Crouch. Yeah. I just say Quavo. I always think of those when I when I see his name. So Quavo yeah, Crouch. Quavo Crouch. Know. He could be <laughs> if they could get that guy, then it will start to show that yeah, we're we're here. South Carolina's ready to recruit with anybody. Because he uh he could be a guy who could be in a Marcus Lattimore type impact with the way he runs the ball. If you please go watch his film, he's an absolute freak. Yeah, that's definitely what I've heard. I mean that that's kind of I know that South Carolina too. They've gotten a, a really quick start on 2019. I think I think they've got like 10 commitments for that 2019 class already, which is, I mean, to have 10 commitments. That's National seven. Day, oh, seven. Big. Okay. Yeah, seven. That, in National Signing Day of 2018, I, I feel like it's a pretty big number. I mean, um, you know, so we'll kind of see what happens. So uh, I know we got to get you out of here, Thomas. I'll finish up with this for a question for you know we'll talk about with myself, you know, you and Tyler. Um, Will Muschamp, you know, I think his kind of go-to quote when he talks about recruiting classes is, you know, we'll, we'll know about this class in two or three years or four years or whatever, two or three years. We'll kind of know the impact of this recruiting class. So I'll start with you, Tyler, and then I'll move to you, uh, Thomas. Tyler, you know, just with Will Muschamp's, you know, comments, you know, we'll know about this class in two or three years. In your opinion, do you think this will be the recruiting class? I know it's kind of tough to say, but I kind of want just, just want your take, your gut feeling. You think this will be the recruiting class that sort of – you know, breaks that ceiling for South Carolina or helps South Carolina break that ceiling of like Thomas saying, maybe getting to 10 wins, maybe challenging Georgia. And, you know, because I think it's obviously a building block on each other. You you know, kind of what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Do you have to win first to get great players? Do you have to get great players to, you know, to win? So do you think this will be the recruiting class we're going to look two to three years down the road and say that was the class that kind of, you know, put South Carolina over the top or sort of turn the tide for South Carolina overall? Oh, it's so tough to, to say, but it it would be between this this class and last year's class. Uh, I really like last year's class a lot. There's a lot of skilled players in last year's class, and obviously Javon Kenlaw. Um, but I do like this class a lot, um, and I think we'll start to see, you know, going into spring, we'll see some guys uh, that were early enrollees, and we'll see a lot in the fall. Uh, I think I'd 
think I'd be better off to answer that question then. Um, <laughs> but it's certainly possible because you get a quarterback, you get a receiver, uh, you get a lot of depth on the offensive and defensive line, uh, just a lot of different positions that are that could make that possible. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thomas, what's your uh, what's your opinion on it? I think it can end up being the class pushes over top, but I, I don't think it'll be this year. I think it'll be next year's class could be the one who really, like, sets them in stone as their competitor in the SEC because we all know what Georgia's going to be bringing to the table for the foreseeable future unless Kirby Smart leaves. But I think with the DBs we have in this class, which is what I'm going to preach on and say they're going to be the biggest thing since probably DJ Swearinger and Stephon Gilmore and those guys, which is a – Really big leap, but I just think with the size this class has at cornerback and athleticism, I think they could end up being completely shut down corners and be hard. And RJ Roger, a guy we haven't talked about at all, get another. He's gonna be a safety for us. Him along with Jalen Dickerson, who missed all of last year, could be end up being a lethal combo at free and strong safety next year. Yeah, it's funny. I was literally about to bring up R.J. Roderick as a guy I couldn't believe we hadn't talked about. He's a guy. He he lays the wood. I mean, guy they haven't had since like you mentioned, a DJ Swearinger type. And, you know, we all – you know, obviously we all heard about Jalen Dickerson last year and the unfortunate injury he had and everything. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's obviously a guy I think they're definitely expecting to jump in and be a huge contributor and somebody Will Muschamp was really high on. Yeah, personally, well, I tend to agree – go ahead. Well, Muschamp said that he's the – like the – I don't – I can't remember the exact quote, but he said he's the best safety or most talented safety he's coached since Earl Thomas when he was at Texas. So that's wow. that's saying something about this kid. <laughs> yeah, that's bold. That's for sure. That's that's bold. But uh, but no, yeah. Going back to you know, I, I agree with you is that I, I like this class one. I really do. I think to carry on Joiner for sure is going to be the quarterback future for South Carolina. I just think with his skill set, to throw the football. We talked. I talked about this a little bit with Alex Reynolds last week. If he can, you know, obviously he's he's like a lot of quarterback polished up there. You know, throwing their skill set there but you know he's the kind of guy I think that can be a leader the quarterback of the future I mean we talked about like Rosendo Lewis I think will be probably a three four year starter um Hank Manos I like Levante Valentine a lot a lot the speedster out of Florida uh you know McQuamu JC Horn in the second gonna be Rick Sandage again I keep <laughs> keep skipping him for some reason Sandage and Wanham I think there's, there's going to be a lot of guys that come out of this class that are going to be big-time contributors for South Carolina. I agree with you. I think I, from what I've heard, I mean, I, you know, that's why we have we bring you in and I bring Alex in. You're the, you guys are recruiting gurus, not me. Yeah. But uh, from what I, definitely from what I've heard, I mean, I've heard 2019 is a pretty stacked class, and I think South Carolina is definitely going to have, like you were saying, I, I think if they have another 10-win season, maybe, God, you know, God willing, maybe more. Uh, I think they're going to have a big opportunity to make a huge, huge splash next year, be a top 15, maybe even top 10 recruiting class. So um, we'll kind of wait and see. You know, obviously it'll be fun fun to watch along. I mean, South Carolina's got, I think, what, uh, 12 early enrollees right now on campus. Yeah. Uh, already practicing, getting in, getting involved. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what those guys are going to be able to do and, you know, we'll see what kind of early impacts we made out of this recruiting class. So, uh, Thomas, like I said, we need, I know you got to go. Um you know, we appreciate you coming on. We're about to talk a little bit of Gamecock basketball, but appreciate you coming on. Obviously, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Um, let the people know, obviously, where they can find you, where they can find your work at Armchair Recruiting and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, if you just follow me at, on Twitter at Tom underscore the bomb, pretty funny uh, Twitter name, and just <laughs> look for my stuff on Armchair S- SCAR. Uh, put out recruiting articles once a week. Uh, pretty good stuff. If you, that's what you like to read on. Uh, 
Yeah, no, for sure. And then also Armchair Recruiting at Armchair Cruton, same place that Alex was talking about last week, Armchair Cruton, C-R-O-O-T. Again, for Thomas Floyd. Thomas, we appreciate you coming on, man. We'll definitely make sure. Appreciate it, man. Perfect. We have Tyler Clark back. All right, cool. Sorry about that, guys. We had a little bit of technical difficulty. So, like I mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit of Gamecock basketball, um, South Carolina falling to Arkansas. Uh, earlier in the week on Tuesday night, Gamecocks lose. I'm not. I don't even have the final score pulled up, Tyler. But it was bad. Lost about. Yeah, it, was, it was bad. That's all. You know. I put out a video on Tuesday morning, basically saying that you know Tuesday night against Arkansas was a gut check for South Carolina after getting blown out against Mississippi State uh, and Texas A&M on the road. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time, you know, talking about the basketball games because honestly, I don't. I'm not sure there really is a ton to talk about. I think everything's sort of black and white, but. Tyler, I'm not sure if you've been able to – have you been able to watch any of the games lately or – A little bit. I've definitely listened to the one. We had an inter-squad Saturday. I listened to the gotcha. A&M game on the way home. It was bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that one, excuse me. Um, Talk about just sort of at this point in the season, you know, I talked about Alex, you know, a little bit about, you know, your opinion. Talk about this point in the season, sort of your feel on just sort of where this season at is at, what this team can look forward to. I mean, how you view – his team just talk about your overall feelings right now <laughs> i mean i don't know at this point your, your ncaa tournament hopes are, are done unless you just went out in absurd fashion so I, I don't really know you know what is what else there is to look forward to this season um but moving forward you, you have a ton of young guys i really like justin Manaya. Um, so you know you have something to look forward to in the future but it, it's rough right now um they got a lot of tough games to go. They got to play Auburn twice. They got Florida this weekend. Uh, I think you play Tennessee again. So it's, it's just it's not gonna it's not gonna go away anytime soon. So they gotta you know get back to the success they found against those those ranked teams in that four game stretch. Uh, they were so good during that stretch. I'm not sure where that went or you know what's different. Um, but yeah, those guards have got to step it up. Yeah, I mean the most disturbing disturbing part for me is just the giving up 80, 80 plus points. You know, first time in the Frank Martin area they've done that. I mean, this honestly, I, I have not seen a South Carolina team play this bad defensively. It's just you know other you know the, the teams they're playing are get su- getting such good looks. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest impacts, one of the biggest reasons is. Um, I think everyone would agree. Chris Silva's been in a huge slump lately. I mean, he's he's made he's been made to look human. I mean, down low, he hadn't really been able to get anything going. Um, you know, I've talked about it like a broken record this season about the guard play being average. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think the NCAA tournament hopes are off the table. I mean, I, I said after, I'm not sure, maybe after, <clears throat> excuse me, after Texas Tech, maybe NCAA tournament team. I mean. You know, we we had a little bit of fun when South Carolina beat Kentucky and Florida and kind of talking about it. Carolina, you know, on the bubble being 11 seed by some people in their bracketology. But you know, let's just face it. This this team is not a, a, an NCAA tournament team. They don't have any guard play. You know, they grab it. With. I mean, it, it's been great to see Corey Holden come back and, you know, see what he's been able to do. I think he had 11 points in like 15 minutes the other night. So, <clears throat> they could um, – you know, I, I would be interested to see kind of how the rest of the season fell. But I mean, when you lose a guy like Raheem Felder due to suspension, um, you know, Corey Holden's injured throughout the entire beginning of the year. Uh, and PJ does I think that's been one of the yeah. biggest things. Oh no, yeah, I tweeted during 
I think the Texas A&M games are like, hey, PJ, we could have used you right now. Yeah. (laughs) I think it was just so unexpected they didn't know how to replace him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they, these young guys, and it's just shown. I mean, like like a guy like Justin Manaya. I mean, he's he's a freshman. I mean, he's just not. I'm not sure these guys. You know, there's. It's like Frank Martin said early in the season. You know, we don't have any leadership. It's because this team is led by freshmen. And I mean, you know, it's not freshmen that are McDonald's All Americans. It's it's. So, I don't know. Yeah, I definitely think uh, South Carolina is playing for the NIT right now. I mean, I, I really think though, if this team can scrap and find a way, because they they've got a gaunt. Florida, they've got Georgia, they got Auburn, they got at Tennessee. I mean, this team's got an absolute gauntlet coming up. If they can find a way to even split that if they can find a way to split you know make the nit i I think for this team all that's happened with the injuries and and you know just the kind of adversity they faced i think nit would be a great year personally that's just my personal opinion i don't i don't know be you know absolutely wanting to fire frank martin for an nit appearance this year just with what they've gone through so you know we'll kind of wait and see what happens with that um like florida i believe it's is it in Colonial Life Arena or is it at it Florida is. Saturday? We beat Florida at home Life a couple Arena. weeks ago. That, that's right. Perfect. Yep. Yep. So, for sure. So, Gamecocks play Florida Saturday noon. Noon tip for you on Armchair South Carolina regarding that. Uh, a couple of things just closing out what I want to touch on. Carolina Gamecocks and the Super Bowl is something we hadn't – didn't get to talk about too much. I'd written a little article about Alshon Jeffries' uh, great catch in the game. I don't want to talk about it too much because Tyler Clark is a – New England Patriots fans, I don't think it's something he really wants to relive, but specifically just talking about the Gamecocks in the game. Um, I know you were watching the game. Tyler, South Carolina got a lot of publicity on Sunday night. I mean, I think they were the most far um, in that Super Bowl broadcast. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, and the, the battle was much better than I thought they would be. I, I didn't think they'd be on each other that much, but Gilmore was uh, – I think I think they wanted that, uh, to be honest. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um uh, you know, Gilmore was intense, man. You know, this year wasn't his it wasn't his best year. And I think Buffalo Bill fans will, you know, agree. He he didn't look that good the last couple of years, but uh these last couple of playoff games he really stepped it up. Um but Alshon is Alshon's Alshon, so you know, <laughs> he definitely got his got his blows in. That touchdown yeah, I, and pass was unreal. Yeah, that was unreal. I mean, that yeah, I, I I thought it was really interesting to see those guys kind of jawing back and forth with each other. I mean, yeah, it, it really awesome. seemed like they they uh you know, I mean obviously competitors on the field is that they're you know, I know they're friends off field, they were roommates in college, but uh it was fun. It's gonna go back and forth with each other. I mean, it's just like you said, I think the publicity for South Carolina was absolutely fantastic and like you said, the matchup was even better. So I I uh yeah, the catch the catch by just unreal. He almost made another fantastic catch down the sideline. When he, almost the sideline made, yeah. he almost made the. He almost did a repeat of a game uh, yeah. when he made the one-handed catch. The guy draped all over him. He almost did it again, but Gilmore was able to, you know, get in there last second and break it up. It was wild. It was absolutely fantastic. He's he's a beast for sure. So Eagles are definitely lucky to have him. They they would not have won that game without him for sure. Um. So sorry, didn't mean to didn't mean to bring that up on hey, each other. <laughs> got a handful of rings, handful of rings. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so yeah, closing out again. Other news to note: spring practice starting February thirty first. Um, you know, I'm sure we're gonna have tons of coverage on that. We'll be covering all through spring. I'm gonna try. I'm sure Tyler will be there. I'm gonna try my 
well. Uh, we're going to do a full baseball preview next week, opening days. Just eight days away, Tyler. We're eight days away from opening day. I know I'm pumped as well. Gamecock baseball finally back, especially when uh, when the basketball team is struggling. We can't we can't to get here as quickly as possible. Um, but yeah, we're gonna have a full baseball preview next week. We're gonna, we're gonna have a podcast. Probably didn't want you guys to think we're skipping out on you there. Probably gonna have a special guest on as well to talk some Gamecock baseball, get his thoughts. Um, oh, most likely, I mentioned South. I play Florida in basketball. I'll probably be live from flight in Charlotte, North Carolina. I, I live in Charlotte, for those that don't know. Uh, there's a Gamecock bar in, in Columbia that's having a Gamecock fan appreciation day. They're uh, airing the Gamecock basketball game, something I'll probably go partake in, maybe get a couple of videos, pictures. I'm sure there'll be a ton of Gamecock. Got a, Charlotte's got a really good contingency of Gamecock fans, Tyler. So it's, uh, and then again, you know, final thing I want to mention, if you haven't done so, we're doing the Cox by 90 T-shirt giveaway. It's a dope shirt online to twitter you know find that tweet it's i've been retweeting it nonstop. it's basically just in our feed um you'll see the giveaway tweet all you got to do retweet that tweet follow armchair s car um we are going to give that away i think i said the time was friday tomorrow eastern um i'm going to give that away the winner obviously gets to choose what color they want size obviously but the colors we've got white gray garnet and black i've already had a couple people send me pictures that have about they look absolutely fantastic. I will say, especially the black ones. The black ones look absolutely filthy. So make sure you go retweet that. Have a chance to win. We're going to be doing a ton more giveaways. We've actually, I actually got another another giveaway in the works for next week for baseball season. Excuse me for baseball season. Armchair South Carolina. We continue to give you guys free stuff. That's all we do. Make sure you tune in. Just stay tuned to Armchair South Carolina. Again, we're on Twitter at Armchair Car, Instagram Armchair S You know. Wherever you find, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can find the Spurs Up Show, iTunes, Stitcher app, or or on our website, armtrailamericans.com, for all your latest breaking game got coverage, news, the podcast, um, and all of that. So, you know, like I said, make sure you listen to us, the best Gamecock podcast on the internet. I'll sell it once, I'll say it again. Um, so with that being said, I think that's gonna pretty much wrap us up. Tyler, you got anything, any uh any last little nuggets or anything uh, else you want to talk about? Or nope. Perfect. Yeah, I think we all deserve kind of a little bit of a a break after an actual signing day. <laughs> I admit it's, uh, it gets wild. It gets nuts. So, um, for sure, we, uh, again, we get you guys tuning in again. Make sure to check us out. Stay tuned to Armchair South Carolina for a lot of exciting stuff we've got going on. Uh, again, I'm Chris Phillips for Tyler and Clark. Uh, be sure to check us out. See you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. 